0: You know, that word holy is a unique word, um, I think, especially for us, because we don't experience a lot of holy, do we? Most of us in our lives, we usually experience the opposite. We don't experience a ton of holy in our life. Like um, last week, we were taking my my Christmas present from my mom to my mom's house in McMinnville. And so we're driving all of these farm roads to get there. And end up behind this dump truck that is filled with, with hay and manure. That's what it's filled with. And it's raining and it's windy. And so in the midst of all that, I'm behind them for miles. And so there is this spray coming off the entire time. This sort of milkshake, the worst milkshake you could ever have. is <laughs> just covering us the entire time. And still, if you go out and look at my car, you'll see it. There's a coating over my car. Like you go to the car wash and that's for a coating. This is not what you want. That's more of what we're used to, I think. As we just travel the roads of life, that's kind of what life feels like. And so we're not used to this idea of holy. And yet in Jesus, we are intercepted by one who is holy. That's the amazing thing about Jesus. Holy God given to unholy us. Perfection birthed into a world of imperfection. The limitless confined to our limitations. That's Jesus. Which means that when Jesus showed up, everything changed. Everything was different because Jesus showed up. And that in itself is just amazing. But I think there's another question we should ask. Why do it? Why do it at all, right? Why go through all of that? And the answer to that question is both incredibly simple and impossible to fully grasp. It happened because of love. It all happened because of love. Here's the thing, if there's one thing that you can expect from God, it's love. There's one thing you can expect from God, it's love. Now, maybe you haven't really felt that. Maybe that's not what you've heard, rumors about God, that God's not like that. Maybe you've, you would expect God maybe to be disappointed. Maybe God's gonna be angry. Maybe God's aloof and disconnected. But that is not aligned to the promises we've been given in scripture, nor is it aligned to the life of Jesus. More than anything else, you can expect that God will be loving Above all in fact in the book of first John. We're told that God is love now knowing that I Want to focus on a section of the passage from the book of Isaiah that was read earlier as The Prophet spoke about the coming Messiah spoke about Jesus in advance revealing the kind of love that we can expect from Jesus, that we can expect from Emmanuel, that we can expect from the Messiah. And the first thing I would point out is this. In Jesus, we can expect a prepared love. A prepared love. Isaiah 9, verse 2. Let's read this together. Big voices, go. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Now, As I mentioned, the author is the prophet Isaiah, who under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit amazingly speaks these truths some 700 years before Jesus showed up. 700 years, which means this, that the people walking in darkness that it was talking about, they heard that message, and guess what? The darkness remained. They kept walking in darkness for a long, long time before they saw this promise fulfilled. 700 years is a long time to see a promise fulfilled, right? It's a long time. Here's the difference. It's hard to grasp that, so here's the difference. This is the difference between the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages, and us. It's the difference between bloodletting and CAT scans, okay? It's the difference between riding on a horse and riding in a Tesla, okay? It's the difference between an Abacus and an iPhone 15. That's how big this difference is. That is a big difference. That is a long way to go from promise given to promise fulfilled. And see, right there, I think this is one of the reasons we struggle with God, because we like things to happen quickly. We do not like waiting on promises. We live in an instant culture. To us, better is always faster, right? Better is always faster. Let me give you one example. It used to be that you would take a picture and you would wait for months to find out what that picture was like, right? You would have a whole different hairdo by the time you saw that picture, okay? But now, and then you realize, oh, my eyes are closed, and there's no do-over. That's it. That's going on your wall. That's in the album, okay? But now you know instantly, and it goes in the garbage. If it's no good, there's no such thing as bad pictures anymore. It's all instant. It's all so fast. Now, obviously, that type of advancement is really helpful. It's a blessing. But there is a downside. Here it is. Our instant culture... Messes with our ability to understand that faster is not always better, especially concerning God's promises. That for God to be good, guess what? God does not have to be instant. God does not have to work in my time frame at all. In fact, the truth is God is doing things that I don't understand, but I desperately need, and that requires God's timing, not mine. And this prophecy reveals that God is always working to reveal perfect love in perfect time. And just as we know, guess what? God's timing is not your timing. And God's timing is not my timing. So, if today you feel maybe forgotten by God, maybe you feel like somehow you've slipped off of God's radar, like God's misplaced your file, And it doesn't know where you are anymore because it's taking so long for that promise to come about. I want you to know this truth from the book of Romans. There is never a moment that goes by where God is not working for your good. No matter what you're walking through, how long you're waiting, there is never a moment that goes by that God is not working for your good. Now you may not see it, and it may feel like it's taking too long, but friend, do not give up. Just as Jesus fulfilled the promises made about him centuries before, Jesus will fulfill the promises he's made to you. Because in Jesus, we can expect a prepared love. That's the first thing. Here's the second. In Jesus, we can expect a practical love. Let's continue the passage. Big voices go. For to us, a child born to us. To us, a son is given. Alright, here we see God going beyond theory regarding his existence. Because as, as human beings, we're always asking, what's God like? I don't know, and we kind of make up our own versions of God. And God's like, I don't want him to do that anymore, so let me make it real clear. Let me get real practical. God says, here's a baby, and this baby is God. Super practical, right? That's a very practical move on God's part to show us who he is. Uh, because babies, they never hide who they are, right? Babies are completely honest. Like my grandson's sense of humor, he's 19 months old, his sense of humor is entirely Looney Tunes based, meaning he laughs if you get hit in the head with something. That's what he loves more than anything else. And I don't know when it's gonna move up to like anvils and grand pianos, I'm sure we're getting there. But it's completely honest, there's no spin, that's just what he digs, okay? Coming as a human baby is the most honest thing that God could do because suddenly God's not theoretical out there. No, God's here with us. Emmanuel. See, now we don't have to guess how God sounds because God's sitting right there in a boat talking to me. We don't have to wonder what God thinks because God's on the side of that mountain teaching me. We don't have to ponder how God feels because God is in this room weeping with me. This is Emmanuel, God in the flesh, and it's God's way of leading us home. There's an old story that's told family was getting ready to go to a Christmas Eve midnight mass service. And the, the dad in the family came to his wife and said, he really had a crisis of faith that year. And, and he said, you know, I, I'm not going to the service tonight. I, I, I still don't understand this whole thing of Jesus coming to earth and why that had to happen and, and the virgin birth and all of these things. I, I don't get it. And he said, really, deep down, I'm not a believer. And he said, I, I would feel like a hypocrite if I came to church. So I, I'm not going to go to church with you tonight. And so they reluctantly said, okay. And and they went and, and headed off to Midnight Mass. So he goes and settles in by the fireplace, reading his newspaper, and, and a, a blizzard starts to blow around them. A, a storm comes through, and he's by the fireplace, and he begins to hear these thumps on the front window. They had a big picture window at their house, and it's a thump, and then another little thump, and he's wondering what's, what's going on, and so he walks over to the window and realizes there's, there's a, a flock of, of tiny birds that that are trying to get into the house but the windows separating them they keep keep flying against the window and falling down into the the new drifts of snow and he can tell they're struggling that that they're they're suffering and and he wants to help them and so he goes outside He's like what can i do well well maybe i can open my barn doors and turn on the lights and, and they'll go in there so he opens up the barn doors wide, turns on the lights, and he tries to shoo the birds in there. Come on, birds! Look up here! Look up here! You know, he's a ka 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 ka, and he's trying to get them to go, and, and and they're not going. You know, and and they're scared of him. They keep running away instead of going where he wants them to go. And he thinks, well, maybe I, maybe I can help him. So he gets some bread and he begins to build a, a trail of breadcrumbs from where they are to the, the barn doors. Maybe they'll follow that, but they're too scared to eat. They don't, they don't respond to that. And anytime he comes near, they run away. And he's so frustrated. Like, all I'm trying to do is help you. And he, and he starts to think to himself, if only, if only I could become like one of these little birds, then, then they would listen to me and I could speak their language and, and then I'd, I'd finally be able to lead them to safety. And then it dawned on him. That's why Jesus had to come. That's why God had to come in the flesh. Because then we could be led home. And and that man in that evening, in the midst of the drifts of snow, he kneeled down and accepted that gift of grace in a real way. Because he discovered what Jesus had meant all along. Jesus is real and Jesus wants to be that real to you if you would let him because in Jesus we can actually expect a practical love that's the second thing here's the last thing in Jesus we can expect a proven love let's finish out the passage big voices go and the government shall be upon his shoulders now that's a unique phrase the government shall be upon his shoulders what does that mean Well, it has to do with great authority, really all authority in the case of Jesus. Authority is a a big deal, because when you think about authority differences, it becomes clear. Like it's one thing for me to come up to a person and say, you can't park there, right? But if a police officer comes and says the same thing, you can't park there, that's a different story, right? Why? The authority is different. Right we both have the same power. I have a voice that I can say that to someone But because of the authority when I say that to them they go I don't care when the police officer says they go I'm moving my car. Okay Authority the authority is different This is telling us not only does Jesus want to redeem us But Jesus has the authority to redeem This is why Jesus is so amazing in the gift of Jesus Jesus we see both the desire to redeem us and the authority to do so. It's not just empty words. In Matthew 28, we see this come to fullness. As Jesus has risen from the dead and he's telling his disciples about how they are to live and what their mission is. And guess what? This is a big mission that Jesus has given to everyone who follows him. Here it is. Jesus came near and spoke to them. I've received all authority, get that all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. So here's the beautiful thing about Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus gives us this crazy mission, what I would call an impossible mission. Go and change the world with my love. That is an impossible mission. But suddenly, that mission becomes possible because the one with all authority is with us, Emmanuel. Jesus was born, Jesus lived, Jesus taught, Jesus was crucified, but the story did not end there. Jesus rose from the dead, proving that he didn't just desire to defeat death, but he actually had the authority to defeat death. Jesus proves to us that he has the authority to do everything that he promised he would do. So what that means is this. Jesus doesn't call us to the impossible. Jesus calls us to what is impossible without him. So, my encouragement. Believe him, receive him, trust him with every part of who you are. Lean into the promises of Christ. Let his plans for your life become your plans for your life. Because guess what, I think if there's someone who has earned the right to be heard, it's the one who rose from the dead, don't you think? If you're gonna listen to somebody, I think you should listen to the one who rose from the dead. That one's probably got something good to say. Jesus proved he is who he says he is, so let Jesus prove that to you because in Jesus we can expect a proven love. I'll wrap up with this. Christmas has a way of creating very unrealistic expectations. Have you noticed that? It has a way of doing that. Let me give you this one example. The song, The Little Drummer Boy. Now, first off, just so you know, I like the song, The Little Drummer Boy. I happen to be a drummer. That song has meaning for me. Yeah, I'm going, I'm bringing my gift to God. That's a beautiful thought, okay? I I think, and in fact, there's some versions of that song from the 80s, some rock bands that did it great. So it's a good song, okay? But if you take that song, and if you just step back for a moment, guess what? That song is stupid. Because here you are, newborn baby, what's the last thing you want when you got a newborn baby sleeping in your arms? Some guy showing up with a marching snare, but that's crazy. And I love that the lyric in it is Mary nodded, right? And we're thinking it's supposed to be she's like, good job. No, she was going, uh-oh. Get that out of here. Are you crazy? There's a baby. (laughs) It's stupid, right? Nobody does that. Nobody wants that. Christmas has this way of setting up these expectations that that are silly. But the sadder truth is that because of those things, we can miss the far greater things that God actually intends for us to expect. And if there's one thing that I'm praying you would expect and experience this Christmas, it's God's love simply god's love you can and you should expect god's love yes it's a prepared love it is a a practical love it's a proven love but that that's just the beginning ultimately this is a love greater than any love we've ever known the prophecies of messiah reminds us that 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 this promise from God is for us to experience love. And yes, that love may take longer than we think it should. It may look different than we think it should. But guess what? God will keep his promises. And he promises that you can experience his love. This is the simple and profound truth of Christmas. So... If right now your heart feels a little disjointed, maybe it feels a little empty, maybe you feel a little lost even, just a little distant, would you allow yourself, even right now in this moment, to be found by Jesus, to experience God's love? That's what he wants for you. Jesus wants to speak to you. Jesus wants to draw close to you. In Jesus, God has proven his love to us. The only thing left is for us to love him in return. Let's pray together. The response in this moment is a simple one, a straightforward one. And it's for anyone in this place that would say, I simply want to experience the love of God. And maybe this is the first time you're saying this, or maybe it's the thousandth time you've said this in your life. But you're saying right now, in a fresh way, in a real way, I want to experience the love of God. If that's you, I just invite you to raise your hand all over this place. Yeah, that's me. I just want to experience the love of God. That's it. Yeah. So many of us. I do too. I'm with you. I want to experience the love of God. And so, Jesus, that's what we're praying for in this moment. More than anything else, you've told us that we can expect your love. And so I pray in every circumstance, in every life here today, that every person would experience your love. Holy Spirit, come and pour out your love in a way that only you can. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.